Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Welcome to Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here. Thank you for trekking out here on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, like Morgan just said, and for, uh, for making church a part of your Sunday. I, I, hope, uh, I hope that you're glad that you came after just a few minutes of hearing what I have to share this morning. I, uh, I also noticed that the jellyfish, some of them are in the house. Can I hear the jellyfish go whoop, whoop? There they are down there. Some of, our, uh, some of our elementary age kids are with us here this morning, and, and I just want you guys to know, I think there's a couple here, maybe a couple over here, I just want you to know that I grew up getting to go to church, and sometimes I liked it, and sometimes I didn't, and one of the reasons, I, I always usually liked the songs, but a lot of times when I was a kid, somebody would come up and start talking about something, and they would say words that I didn't understand, and they would talk about things that didn't matter to me at all, and so I would kind of just get bored and tune out, and I just want you to know that I, I prepared what I'm going to say today, knowing that you guys would be in the room, and the beauty of today's message is that it applies to everybody, whether you're nine or 99. This message applies to every single person in the room. What's, what's amazing about what I'm going to share today is that it is so simple that a kindergartner can begin to understand it, and yet it is so deep and so profound that all of us can spend our whole lives thinking about it and will never reach the depths of what it means for us. Here's what I know to be true about every person in the room, whether you're six or 66, or somewhere in the middle, here's what I know to be true. Every single one of us wants to be happy. Every one of us wants to be happy. Some of us would even say we would really like to be happier than we are right now. Many surveys have been conducted, and the overwhelming response to the question, what do you want more of in your life? If you look at all the results, Google it for yourself, Everybody, the number one thing they want more of is to be happier or to be happy. Now, here's what is interesting about being happy is it begs the question, okay, well, then how do I get happier? What, what is the happiest group of people in the world? I should join that group. I should do what they do. And, and then we're fed these different things over the, over the course of our life. Maybe, maybe you'll be able to relate to this a little bit. What I found is that is, as I looked for the happiest group of people in the world, I found that it isn't rich people. That people with a lot of money are not necessarily the happiest people in the world. Some of them are some of the saddest people in the world. And I'm sure that there's somebody out there with a lot of money who also is happy, but collectively, as a group, rich people are not the happiest people in the world. It's not really smart people. CEOs, doctors, people with master's degrees. I'm sure there are people that are very, very smart who are very, very happy, but collectively as a group, there's really no correlation between how smart you are and how happy you are. How about this one? Famous people are not the happiest people in the world. You probably knew that one. 
Most of us, as we're growing up, want to be famous, and at some point, we want to move to Black Lick and have people leave us alone. <laughs> right? We, we don't want that as much anymore. And, and you might, I mean, you've seen the news, how could, there's no way famous people could be the happiest people in the world. But it's true that they're just not, I'm sure there's a famous person who is happy somewhere, but collectively as a group, they are not the happiest people in the world. The happiest people in the world are thankful people. The happiest people in the world are thankful people. That is great news for someone like me because I am not rich and I am not very smart and I am definitely not famous and I don't think in my lifetime I will be any of those things. But thankful? Well, I can be thankful and thankful people are the happiest people in the world. I'm not making this up. There was a survey done recently of 2,000 Americans. 65% of the people that responded who said that they're very happy or very satisfied with their lives, 65% of them said that on a daily basis, they were likely to express gratitude and give thanks. Thankfulness, gratitude was the most common attribute among the people that said that they were very satisfied, very happy in their life. One of the directors of the survey said this, there is a dramatic correlation, a dramatic correlation between thankfulness and happiness. When people are proactive about being thankful, it rewires their brains to be happier. Are you kidding me? I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that at the very end and tie a neat little bow on it and, and show you that once again, God is not out to get us. Instead, he has a plan to give us joy more than you've ever imagined in your life, all right? So we're in this series, Jellyfish and Adults, called The Curious Case of Jesus Christ. And we're in week three. We're going to be here for seven weeks. We're going to end on Christmas Eve Eve. And what we're doing is we're going through the life of Jesus in reverse, we are going to end with baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying on a manger on December 23rd, right here in Gehenna Middle School West at 4 or 6 p.m., if you're the type that likes to make plans. What does Jesus say about thankfulness? What does he say about gratitude? Well, he says lots about it, but we're going to look specifically at a, at a story in Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them on, you can turn in them. We're going to put the words up on the screen if anybody wants to follow along. And as always, we have a stack of Bibles right back there, and you could grab one on your way out, our gift to you. We would love for you to take one. We're going to go through this story. We're going to start in verse 11. And this is a story about 10 people who were very, very sick, very, very sick. And we're going to go through one or two verses at a time, and then I'm going to try to explain really what's happening behind the scenes as we go. So we're going to start in verse 11. This is what Luke chapter 17, verse 11 and 12 says. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, that's important, 10 men who had leprosy met him. As he was going into the village, meaning that these 10 men were not in the village. Why weren't they in the village? Because it was illegal for them to be in the village. Why? Because they had leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease. 
Leprosy was contagious. Leprosy meant that some of your fingers and your toes would begin to wear away over time. You would have sores that would cover your whole body. And at some point, somebody would say, this person has leprosy. And the priest would diagnose them and say, you have leprosy. And the person who has leprosy has to live outside of the village. They're quarantined, not for a couple days, not for two weeks, for the rest of their lives. The only friend, the only companionship that a person with leprosy will ever have for the rest of their life is with other miserable human beings who also have leprosy. This, this was actually the law. This is what it says in Leviticus chapter 13. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease, such as leprosy, must, t- must wear torn clothes. They must let their hair be unkept. They cover the lower part of their face and they cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. A leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of another person. If the wind was blowing, they weren't allowed to come within 150 feet of another human being. They had to wear bells on their wrists and their ankles because if they came in the dark near somebody, they, were ha- they had to make sure that the other person knew that they were coming. If they came into a public area, if they were on a major road, they'd have to yell when they saw healthy people, unclean, unclean, to warn people that they, them and their disease was around them. This was the only way people knew how to stop the spread of this contagious disease. And so that's why when they were approaching, when Jesus was approaching the village, that's why these 10 people were waiting outside of the village and they weren't inside. They were respecting the laws. And look what verse 12 says. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Here's a question to consider. There were 10 of them. How in the world did they know Jesus was coming? There's no news. There's no phones. There's there's nobody, you know, carrying a a high flag banner with Jesus's picture on it. it. It's not how it went. It was all word of mouth. Maybe, maybe, and this is what I suspect, these 10 guys heard about another guy who had leprosy. This is recorded in Luke chapter 5 who came to Jesus and begged for mercy, and Jesus Christ touched him. Like he physically touched him. Nobody touches somebody with leprosy. You're going to get it. But Jesus touches him, and he is healed. And so these 10 people, the word is out. Somebody has the power to heal a leper. And these 10 people somehow figure out that Jesus is on his way to that village and they get together and they call out, Jesus, have pity on us. Show us mercy. And rather than hustling past them and saying, gross, get out of the way like every other person would have done, Jesus has compassion. And when he sees them, he says, Go, show yourselves to the priest. It says nothing about healing them right there. 
He just says, go show yourself to the priest. Why did Jesus say, go see the priest? Well, because it was the priest who had the authority in the first place to tell them that they had to be in quarantine. And the only person that was going to be able to legally tell them they could come back into the village was a priest. Now, leprosy was incurable, but there were some things that could get confused with leprosy. I imagine there were people from time to time who would just get a killer sunburn and the people would go, wait a minute, this looks like leprosy. And so the priest would say, all right, quarantine yourself outside of the village. But then after a couple days, maybe a week, the person comes back and says, hey, I'm fine. See, I don't have the disease. Only the priest was able to say, yes, you can come back in. This is, this is really important. They hadn't been healed yet. They hadn't been cleansed yet. They were still sick. Their fingers were still wearing off. But they obeyed. And they start to go visit the priest, obeying Jesus. And look what it says. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they were on their way, they were cleansed. So think about this. Just imagine the, the, uh, the scene. These guys have fingers and toes that are wearing off. Their clothes are all ripped up. Their hair is unkept. And they're just kind of going as this gang towards the priest. When Jesus said it to begin with, go see the priest, they probably thought, well, that's against the law. We can't go into the town looking like this, being like this. But what do these guys have to lose? What are they going to do, kick them out of town again? And so they start to walk towards Jesus, and they begin, they, their fingers start growing back, and their toes begin growing back. They begin to walk Normally, they look at the sores on their arms and on their hands and on their bodies, and they, they start looking at each other going, I'm, I think I'm actually being healed. And their friend says, me too. And they are just overjoyed, I'm sure speechless at what is happening to them. They thought they were condemned to live in a leper colony for the rest of their life. But Jesus came to town and has healed them. And they're on their way to the priest, and I'm sure they can't wait to get rubber stamped. You can go home. You can be back with your wife. You can be back with your husband. You can be back with your kids. You can have your job and your house. Everything has changed for you. And then one of them, just one of the ten, as they're walking, one of them says, wait a minute, we're healed. You guys, Jesus did this for us. Jesus did this for us. Does, we should go back and say thank you to him. But the other nine proceed to go on and check in with the priest. But the one turns around. This is, this is really important as you read this story to understand. I'm pretty sure all ten of them we're thankful, aren't you? Think about it. I'm pretty sure all 10 of them were thankful. But you and I, as we read this story, we go, man, what an ungrateful bunch of... Why? Because it's one thing to feel thankful, and it's another thing altogether to express it. Thankfulness, gratitude, is something that you do. Thinking and doing are totally different things. This is, this is talking about manifesting, doing thankfulness. If you think about it, you can be very thankful, not express it, and it appears as though you're very ungrateful. 
Imagine, jellyfish, imagine this. You guys have a list of things that you want for Christmas, right? And maybe, you know what, maybe your mom or your dad or your grandparents, maybe they say, you know what, we're probably not going to get that for you this year. You might want to come up with something else. But then they surprise you. And on Sunday morning, they actually get you what you really wanted. And you open it up and you're going, no way. But imagine, well, I mean, let me ask you, wouldn't you be thankful for that? Well, of course, in your heart, you would be so thankful for that. But if you didn't say thank you, what would your mom and dad think? Were they even thankful? You say, well, of course I was. Well, if you don't express it, if you don't say it, if you don't do it, well, then it appears as though you're very ungrateful. I I use that example to highlight the fact that, man, you might be thankful for somebody in your life, something someone has done for you recently, somebody in your family. When's the last time you verbalized, thank you, I'm grateful? Because if we don't, it appears as though that we're not neutral, but rather ungrateful. This one man, the guy that we're cheering on, the other nine were like, man, you guys are just taking Jesus for granted. But the one guy looks at the other nine. He says, friends, listen to me. It has been quite the journey out there in the colony. And I can't say it was really all that enjoyable, but man, I'm glad I wasn't alone out there. And I don't know if I'm ever going to see you guys again. I kind of hope that I don't. But man, I don't know. You guys go on. I'm going to go back and say thank you to the person who healed me. Look what it says. One of them, when he was healed, came back praising God, not subtly, not sheepishly, but in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He expressed his gratitude. He didn't just feel it. He showed it. And we cheer him on. And then Jesus asks him a couple questions. He says, were not all ten cleansed? Where are your friends? Where are all these other people that I healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This highlights the point that it's possible for a group of people to have the same exact experience with Jesus and have drastically different responses to it. All ten of them had their bodies healed, but only one of them had their soul healed. When Jesus said, it is your faith that has made you well. Because this man's gratitude was not for what God could do for him, but it was for God himself. It was not for the healing, it was for the healer himself. Let me just ask you a couple questions that that I think would be good to think about. Would you consider yourself a grateful person? Would you consider yourself a thankful person? person. And then a follow-up question, what comes to mind when I ask you then, well, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? You've heard somebody say this before, but life isn't easy and it's not always perfect. And sometimes we go through very hard things, but there's always something to be thankful for, right? 
Like if we think long enough about it, we begin to make a list in our minds of things that we're thankful for. So when I ask you, what are you most thankful for? You might think about maybe your spouse or your children or a close friend. Maybe your home or your health or a job that you just got. I, I don't know what comes to mind first, but, but let me just remind you, friends, that we are living in a world. It, we are living in a world with tacos. Like God could have made a world without tacos, but he made a world with tacos and with beaches and with bonfires and with sunsets and with swing sets and with sushi. Come on, somebody. And with hugs and with guacamole and with puppies. And it's socially acceptable in 2023 to wear Crocs. Like we're, we're living in a world where there's a lot to be thankful for. My dog was lost for 42 days and he's home. Right? I have a lot to be thankful for. If I think about it long enough, I can come up with reasons to be thankful. But then if you, if you pin me down and you said, Joel Trainer, what are you most grateful for? What are you more grateful for than anything else if I really think about it and you made me pick one thing I'd have to say, I would have to say, I am most grateful that God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven me for my sins. I've got to start with that. The first list that I went through, that's what's collectively called the common grace of God. They're good things that God gives for everybody to enjoy. Whether you are a believer in Jesus or you are not, you can still eat Chick-fil-A and you can still be thankful for it. It's still good. But, but what's different than the common grace of God is my second answer, which is what's called the special grace of God. That is when a person chooses to believe in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. When he sends Jesus and says, I give you Jesus to die on the cross and pay for your sins. And then a person, a human person has to take that and go, I believe it, I receive it. And then the special grace of God comes on us and we're forgiven for our sins. It's different than the common grace, the goodness of God. It's the special grace of God. This is so important for us to understand about this story because yes, in one sense, it is about thankfulness. But there's another part of this story that, that can't be lost on us as we look at it. Let's, let's talk about leprosy again. Let's talk about that disease. The first time I described it, when I started talking about your toes falling off and your, your, your fingers falling off and sores all over your body, everybody in the room went, ooh, that sounds disgusting. I'm glad I don't have that. And on some level, it's hard to relate to because you don't live in a colony in Patascala with a bunch of sick people, right? You haven't been quarantined for life with a physical disease. But what's important about this story as we read it is that the Bible says that all of us by nature are spiritual lepers. We have spiritual leprosies. Our heart has a disease that we cannot cure ourselves. All through the Old Testament, leprosy is a graphic and visual representation of sin and the destructive and debilitating influence it has on a person's life. 
It is chronic. It is incurable. It is isolating. It is a plague. And it separates us. It separates us. But God, through Jesus, just like in this story, provides a way back. When Jesus comes into the picture, he says, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. You want mercy? I will give you mercy. You want pity? You want grace? I, Jesus said, I came to give that kind of thing away. I didn't come here to condemn the world. I came to save the world. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and when you hear that, you know, we're all spiritual lepers. There's a, there's a temptation to go, nah, not me. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as some people I know. And so we proverbially wear long sleeves and gloves and shoes and a mask. And we go, no, 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 I'm not sick. I'm fine. But in our, in, in a, in our moment when we think at the deepest level, when we are the most honest with ourselves, every person has to say at some point, something in me isn't right. There's a shadow side in there that I don't want to talk about, but I have to admit, it is there. Something in me isn't right. Every person at some point, if they think deep enough, realizes that. That is sin. That is spiritual leprosy. And it is incurable on our own. But God, through Jesus, has provided healing for us. It is at hand, but it has to be received. We've got to get up and we've got to go to the priest, per se. We've got to believe it. You've got to believe it to be healed. So here's the final question. Have you been healed of this disease called sin? Only God can do that. And if not... If you're in here just checking things out and, and, and you're going, man, I don't know if I've ever been healed, then today's the day that you are going to proverbially go show yourself to the priest. That's not me. That's not me. It, it doesn't work exactly like that. But today's the day that you believe this and receive this. And I just want to ask you, tell somebody today, tell somebody that today is the day that you were healed from this disease. And if you have done this before, if you look back on your story and say, yes, there was a moment where I put my faith in Christ. I'm a Christ follower. What does this story make you feel? Is it numb? Are you numb to it? Or are you thankful for it? Think about it. Do you want to be one of the nine guys that just takes the good stuff God gave you and just kind of runs with it? Or do you want to be the one who goes, Jesus Christ is the one who healed me? and come back to him and honor him and praise him and thank him for that. When is the last time you just stopped and said thank you to God, not for all the stuff he gave you, but for the salvation that he gave you through Jesus? The one man shows us. Man, we cheer him on, don't we? We're like, go get it, that one man. Those other nine, man, forget them. Go get it. The reason why that guy is our favorite one is because he comes back and he shows gratitude, gratefulness to the one who healed him. Remember when I told you that thankful people are the happiest people in the world? Think about this. I'm, 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 I'm trying to urge you to be grateful. 
right? I'm trying to urge you to be thankful for what God has done for you. And then there, there's this, ah, I don't know, this human response, like, don't tell me what to do. You know, like, don't, don't give me a rule. And, and think about this, though. This is the clear line of logic that God has us go on. We were sick. We've been healed. You should be thankful. Not because it's a rule, but because once again we see that God is not out to try to restrict us and impose rules upon us. No, he wants to give us joy to the max, to the full, life to the full. That's what Jesus said he came to give. And God knows, God knows that the happiest people in the world are thankful people. And so he has given us something to be thankful for. And so this isn't something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do because God is such a good God and he knows how all this works. And he says, hey, you were sick and I healed you. So maybe try thankfulness and that's going to go pretty good for you. So here's the two questions I want to give you as we close. We'll give you two or three minutes to think about it. As always, the prayer team is in the back. Would love to pray with anybody who would like prayer. Here's question number one. Have you been healed? Have you been healed of spiritual leprosy? And question number two, have you thanked him for it recently? And if the answer to that is no, then take a few minutes and in prayer, thank God that he gave us not just common grace, but special grace. And after two or three minutes, the band will come up and we'll sing a song to close our service together. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.